take your Bible, if you would, as we uh, jump into a new series, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and turn, if you would, to Matthew uh, chapter 1. As you're turning to Matthew chapter 1, uh, something I alluded to quickly last week, um, we've got a team, and I just want to invite you to pray. We've got a team uh, right now that's over in Malawi, and they're doing a build for the last decade or so. We've been helping the Church of God in Malawi to build a ministry center where they're training pastors. There's 140 or 50 churches in Malawi of the Church of God, and so a lot of those uh, pastors just have a third, fourth grade education, and so they really need theological training, and so we've partnered with the Church of God in Malawi to build this uh, training center. It's awesome. You have made that happen over the last 10 years or so as we've built different parts of it, and we're in the final phase, which is building three dormitories so that as pastors come, they have a place to stay as they get that uh, training. So again, just to invite you to pray over the next couple weeks, that team that's in Malawi, uh, you can, uh, we'll try to throw some pictures up on our Facebook and our social media pages so you can see some of the progress that they're making. Uh, so let me just invite you to, to pray for them. And let me just uh, add a thank you. The only right way that we're able to do what are really significant projects, I think uh, this dorm is about a $150,000 project. The only way that we're able to do that is through your, through your giving. Uh, as you want to give to missions, you can earmark that faith promise. 100% of those dollars that you give to, toward faith promise goes to missions. There's local things and international things. So thank you for that. Thank you for your again, faithful giving uh, to projects like that, but also to just tithes and offerings. Thank you. Thank you. You're so generous. And it really helps us to, as our vision here, restore God's ideal. And it's not just in this community, but it's literally around the world. Uh, well, we're in this series. We're starting out today, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. So what would you say, what, what, what are the things that, that help you really get into Christmas? What are the things that uh, when this happens, when, when uh, this goes on in your life, it's an indication that it's Christmas time? Maybe it's when you walk into department stores and you see they've decorated for Christmas. Maybe it's when you get in your car and you're going somewhere and you turn the radio on and the Christmas music is blaring over the radio. Maybe that's a help to you to really get into the Christmas spirit. Maybe it's decorating your home. How many have already got your Christmas decorations up? Anybody? Crystal and I, we did that uh, this week. Uh, her and I, I've learned some things. Uh, I've learned my role. My role is to climb in the attic, get all the stuff down, and then to obediently do what Crystal tells me to do. Um, and so, uh, and maybe this is something that will help some of you husbands that are still struggling to figure out your role. Uh, so, what I do is, I do what I'm told, and I, I don't ask questions. I don't, give my, I don't give my insight about how I think something should be uh, decorated or whatever. My simple role is to ask clarifying questions, okay? Like, where did you say you wanted the tree? What did you say you wanted me to put out there? What did you say, where do you want me to put this box? So just a little pro tip. It took me 28 years to figure this out. We've been married 31, so I've only had it for the last couple of years. So I just want to help you. Always want to be a blessing to you, uh, trying, to be, trying to be helpful. Or maybe uh, the way you get into the Christmas spirit or get that Christmas vibe going is watching that special Christmas movie. Anybody have a special movie when you watch Elf? Or when you watch It's a Christmas, uh, what's it, no, it's a, it's a Wonderful Life, that one, yeah, It's a Wonderful Life. Or, or maybe a Christmas Story with the Red Rider BB gun and shooting your eye out. Or how many, it's really not Christmas until you watch Die Hard. <laughs> yes. Okay, let's take a little vote. How many feel that Die Hard is a Christmas movie? Okay. Uh, who 
who would have a very strong opinion that Die Hard is not a Christmas movie? Any? Okay. It's interesting that some of you are married. So it sounds like it's probably been a conversation uh, around Christmas time. So, or, or maybe the thing that really gets you into the Christmas spirit is when you come to church and we start singing Christmas carols. And so this week we started singing Christmas carols. And one of those carols that we sang uh, is that classic. It's what we've named this series, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. It's one of those vintage Christmas carols. This forms, the, again, the, 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 the title for this series. Let me remind you of the, that recognizable first stanza, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lowly exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. So as we think about that, that vintage Christmas carol. Let me give you a little background on it. Uh, it doesn't really have a clear origin story. It first appears in the 8th or 9th century. It's in Latin. There are forms of it. Uh, that's a long time ago. The title and some of, the, uh, some, of the, some of it appears in documents going all the way back to 1710, I'm told, uh, which again, that's a long time ago. It came in its form that we now sing it, the tune and the, and the stanzas and the, the wording as it is, in 1850, translated again from Latin into English. And so that's the form that we now sing. And again, it's old at 1850, 150 plus years. The song is an invitation for Christ to come. O come, O come. It's a request, come Emmanuel. And we're going to understand what that term, that word, that title uh, Emmanuel means in just a minute. But it's a series really about inviting Christ in. And I think as we just survey our lives, survey our world, uh, we could use Christ to come. We could use him to help us with, at times, unmet expectations, with relationship issues, with parent struggles, with financial setbacks, with health, health crises, with debilitating depression, and the list goes on and on and on about what would be helpful if Christ would come into this situation. So the next few weeks, we want to make that invitation to our Savior. O come, O come. God, be with us and be with us in our hearts, be with us in our habits, be with us in our hardships, be with us and, and be our hope, be with us as we'll talk about on Christmas morning, be with us in our homes. Uh, this past year, we did a series where we looked at the names of God. And one of the names that we have for Jesus is this, this name or this title that we're going to talk about today, Emmanuel. So let's open up part of the Christmas story that we find in Matthew chapter 1. And I'm going to read the story. And as I read it, uh, we'll be able to see uh, the definition of Emmanuel as I, I read it for us. Matthew chapter 1, starting with verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child with the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But he considered these things. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. 
All this took place to fulfill the Lord, what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took his wife, and he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, that message, that communication that the angels were having with Joseph ends, if you're looking at it, I always encourage you to, to bring your Bible or if you've got it on your phone to follow along with me because there's some things I want to point out to you, especially today, and you'll need to look at it to see it. But in the, the, so the angels are talking, the angel's talking to Joseph, uh, telling him that there's going to be this child that Mary, and, and she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit, uh, so it's okay. He's trying to reassure, the angel's trying to reassure Joseph, and he's going to be named, you're going to name him Jesus. And and he's going to save his people from their sins. And then what follows, starting in verse 22 and on for a couple verses, is an editorial comment that the narrator makes, interjecting again, starting here in verse 22. And notice the title, what the title Emmanuel means. He defines it. God with us. Jesus is Emmanuel. Jesus is God with us. That's who he is. It's a title. It's a name for him. And Matthew is reminding us as he's saying this to, uh, about Jesus that, that he is Emmanuel, that he's the fulfillment of a prophecy that uh, is recorded in the Old Testament, a prophecy that was written 700 years prior. And so if you look at verse 23, and here's where you need to look at it to see it, but if you look at verse 23, you'll notice that there are quotes. And there are quotes because Matthew is quoting from the Old Testament. Matthew includes this text. He puts it right in what we are reading from uh, the prophet Isaiah, what he said some 700 years before in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Let me read it for us from that Old Testament text. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, another interesting thing, again, you got to see it to, to, to notice it, is, the, is that word Emmanuel, that title Emmanuel in the scripture here in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 Notice, and also in that Matthew passage, that, it's, that Emmanuel is spelled with an I and not an E. Now, why is that? It's because he's quoting from the Old Testament, and the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, and the transliteration of the word in the Hebrew into the English is uses an I. If you transliterate that word from the Greek into English, it's with an E. And so that's why sometimes you see it with an I, sometimes you see it with an E. It's like somebody might have the name uh, Kathy. And some of you Cathys, if you're here today, you might spell your name with a K, and some of you spell your name with a C, but the name's the same, Kathy, Kathy's Kathy, okay? Emmanuel's Emmanuel, whether it's an I or an E. Now, there's probably three of you that really thought that was interesting, but I just wanted to include that just in case you'd notice, and you're like, why is that an I and not an E? Is that a misspelling? It's not a misspelling. Somebody didn't mess it up. That's why it's like that. Okay, let's get back to what Matthew is saying here in this gospel. He's interjecting, and we'll notice if you read through Matthew that he's He's writing, his primary audience is the Jewish people, and he's trying to, to just to make the case that Jesus is their Messiah, that Jesus is the Savior that they've been waiting for. And so that's why he's quoting from Isaiah, because he wants them to notice what Isaiah said about the Messiah. That's what's happening here with Jesus. 
Isaiah, again, who wrote prior, some 700 years prior, about the birth of Christ, as he foretold that verse, or that, that, that birth, and we see it here in Matthew being fulfilled. And if we look at Scripture, we'll see on occasion after occasion after occasion that Jesus becomes the fulfillment of these prophecies, just like we see here. And as we look at that, it reminds us that Jesus is not merely a man. That there's something special, there's something divine, that he is the miraculous God with us. So as we consider that today, that Christmas, as we move towards it, is this invitation as we look at the birth of Jesus and we celebrate the birth of Jesus. It needs to be a time where we are inviting Christ in. O come, O come, Emmanuel. And as we think about that, to ask ourselves the question, what difference does it make for God to be with us, for Christ to be with us? What difference does it make to invite Christ to be a part of our lives, to invite him in, in with us? So let's think about that today. What difference does it make for God to be with us? Let's, let's talk about that. If you go back to that prophecy when the angel is relating what was being fulfilled with the pregnancy of Mary, with the birth of Jesus, uh, he, he talks about the, this, we see it's the virgin will conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. In that moment, the angel is talking to Joseph and relating what's already happened. We know it's already happened because Joseph in verse 18 it talks about that, he, that it's been found that she's with child. So he's found out that she's pregnant. And so if you're in being betrothed or engaged, it's, it's a lot different. It was a lot bigger deal in that day, in that culture than it is today in our culture. And so it was a really big deal. And so he, it, it was like being married. And so he has decided because he's heard that she's pregnant and he knows the child's not his. And so like happens even in our culture today, that, that potential husband's going to say, well, you know, I, I don't think we need to get married. And that's what he's saying. He, he's deciding he's going to divorce her quietly. He's not going to try to destroy her life. He's going to do it quietly, what Scripture says. And the angel says to him, no, it's okay, because she's pregnant not by some other man, but she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit, pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit. And what we see in that moment is, as that's described, that Mary, pregnant by the Holy Spirit, is this, is this melding of humanity and divinity, which would be a whole sermon, maybe a whole series that we get into later that we don't have time for. The implications that God, the Holy Spirit, and Mary come together and that she's with child by the Holy Spirit or from the Holy Spirit, as the Scripture says. And so here, literally, is Jesus in the womb, and, and, and he was with them in the womb. And there was certainly an element that he was, even though he's with them in the womb of Mary, that there's an element of not yet. He's not been born yet. He's not literally, in that sense, there with them, although he is with them. And those of you who have gone through bearing a child, you know what that's like. You know what it is to have the child with you, but then there's still this, this, this not yet peace to that. You might be able to relate to that as we think about how, 
how that even relates to our lives, all of us, that, that you might be here today. And in one sense, yes, Jesus is with you, but in another sense, not yet. He's not yet with you. Let's talk about that. Think about Mary and Joseph. They knew that this child who would be named Jesus will be, is with them in one sense, but not yet with them in another. That he's there with Mary, pregnant Mary. In a similar way as we think about our own lives, that Jesus is here, that he has come for us, that he is here with us. But there's, for some of us, an element of not yet. Because we haven't yet made that personal decision to invite Christ into our lives. You haven't yet made that personal decision to invite Christ to be your Savior. You understand who Jesus is intellectually. You believe that he was, that what we celebrate at Christmas is the birth of Jesus, and you see it. Uh, you've, you, you, you know enough to know that it was a historical fact, that there was a person named Jesus that was born in that first century. You get that. You believe that. And at Christmas is a celebration of his birth. You get that. You understand and believe maybe even that he is the Son of God. But you have not yet, so he's with you, but you've not yet invited him to be your Redeemer, your Savior. You haven't allowed what you know about Jesus to travel from your head down to your heart. You haven't invited him, in, him into your life, into your pain, into your brokenness or your aloneness, or your, as I believe it was Augustine who said, there is a God-shaped void in all of us that will only ultimately be filled with Christ. And so there is a void that you've not invited him to come in. So, is he your redeemer? Is he your savior? He is here with us, but is he here with you? That's a really important question. And as we approach Christmas, if, if you've invited Christ to be with you, then let's just kind of sit and, 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 and just understand the implications of that. What difference does that make? As we think about going into this Christmas season, that our Savior is not some distant, disconnected, detached deity, but our Savior is Jesus. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. So when we feel alone, there is a God. He is with us and can be with us as our companion. When we feel lost, he can be with us as our guide. When we feel weak, he can be with us as our strength. When we are sick, he can be with us as our healer. When we're hurt, he can be with us as our hope. When we stumble and fall in sin, he can be with us as our forgiver, as our savior, as our redeemer. So there is something, something profound as we think about that God is with us, but there's also something when we think about God was with us, that God was with you. Sometimes it's easier to see Christ's presence with us in the past than to sense his presence with us in the present. We've experienced that probably. That it's easier to look in the rearview mirror and to see how God has been with you, with us, than in the moment when there's a struggle or when there's a loss of some kind, when things aren't working out like we had hoped and, and we don't see God's hand working like we'd, we want it to and, and we feel disconnected from God, we feel distant from God, we ask a lot of why questions of God and we don't sense that he's with us. But then when we look back and we look uh, behind us, we can see God's fingerprints and we can see him in action that he was with us. The Virgin Mary is pregnant with Jesus, and she's about to give birth, hasn't yet, as we look at where we are in the story, and hasn't yet given birth to Jesus, and she'll give birth in Bethlehem, 
But even in this moment, there is, there is God who has been with them in, in this story, that God has been at work already, that Jesus already is the fulfillment of different prophecies, that, 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 that even though he's not been born yet, he's fulfilled those, like this one in uh, part of it being here in Isaiah. As we, if you're with us for the last month or so, we've been in the book of Ruth. If you missed it, I encourage you to go back. And in the book of Ruth, we've seen how God has woven, God wove the story of Jesus, even in that Old Testament book that was written and, and those events that took place, you know, thousand years before the birth of, of Christ. And to be reminded of, of in that in the series that Ruth marries Boaz. And Boaz and Ruth are, the, are, are in that line where Mary and Joseph come from and where Jesus ultimately comes from. And there's a prophecy that said that Jesus would, be, would come from the line of David, that he would be a descendant of David. And again, if you were paying attention in that last series that we were in, you remember that Ruth and Boaz are the great-grandparents of David. When you look at Scripture, there's another prophet by the name of Micah in chapter 5, verse 2. Micah the prophet said that Jesus the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. So let's put that all together. Do you remember where Ruth and Boaz were from? They're from Bethlehem. So again, this is, this, they're the great-grandparents of King David, and they're descendants of, of David. And so when Mary and Joseph, descendants of Ruth and Boaz, are, get notice from the Roman government that they're supposed to, by, by, this, by the word of Quirinius, the governor, that they are to appear to go back to their ancestral home for the census, where do they need to go back to? Have you connected all the dots? Micah 5.2, the prophet says that the child will be born in Bethlehem. It just so happens by chance and accident, right? Because that's what this is all about. That Ruth and Boaz are the great-grandparents of David, and they are descendants of David. And so when they have to go to their ancestral home, where do they have to go? They have to go to Bethlehem. And so some might say, well, the Roman government sent them to Bethlehem. And that's where she by chance had the child unless we understand that these are all the fingerprints of God so that 2,000 years later we could look at the prophet Micah and we could look at the prophet Isaiah and we could see these things that were written about hundreds of years before and we can see that God has woven all of this together so if we're paying attention we see and we can connect these dots and we can understand that Jesus is more than just some random person who lived. But he is Emmanuel. He is God with us. God sent them. It wasn't the Roman government that sent them to Bethlehem. God, as he's orchestrating human history, sends them to Bethlehem to remind us, if we're paying attention, that God has a plan. And he had a plan all along, and he has a plan for this world to bring a Savior into this world. And the really cool thing is, not only does he have a plan for this world, but he has a plan for you. And you're here today because he wanted to remind you that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with you. And if we're looking, we can see God at work in our lives if we've invited him in. If we've opened the door and invited Christ into our lives, we can see him at work, that he has been with us. I think back in my own life how God has been with me. 
I think back, and if you've been here a while, you know my story that I came to Christ. I invited Christ into my life as a teenager. And I think back to that time sitting in that class and being challenged with faith. And I made that decision to invite Christ to be my Savior, opened up to God be with me. I remember my, I've told you this story too, my call to ministry when I was, again, a teenager. And I prayed for the very first time, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll be whatever you want me to be. And in that moment, I feel, I, I, I can think back to it right now, that God spoke to me. And God hasn't done that multiple times over my lifetime, but he did that time. In this way that was so dramatic, so profound, that I, for the past 30, almost five years now, can go back to that moment and know without any doubt that God called me to ministry. So when it's been tough and when I've had struggles, I can go back to that moment. It was years, friends, but after that moment where God called me into ministry, that when I would relate that story, that I couldn't even talk about it without getting emotional. I'm not a super emotional guy. Just constant reminder of God calling me, so dramatic, God with me. And then I think about how God was with Crystal and I when our first son, Caleb, was born. And we were out of college, we'd been married a few years, and we had taken a pay cut to go to this little church in central Illinois. And we didn't have two nickels to rub together, and, and Caleb comes along, and we find out that he's allergic to, he, he's lactose intolerant, so he's got to have this soy formula, and it's super expensive. And we, again, don't have two nickels to rub together, and we had to, we had to put formula on a credit card. And all you Dave Ramsey aficionados, I know that is not the thing to do. This is before Dave Ramsey. I think, I don't know if Dave Ramsey was born then. Anyway. And so, no, it wasn't the, the smartest financial decision, but we had no recourse to feed our child. Or at least we felt that way. And I remember the, the church leaders came, and they knew we were struggling, and they came to talk to me about my pay. And they uh, said, well, we really can't pay you anymore. And uh, so you should probably just go uh, and get food stamps, and WIC is their solution for us. Um. And that was tough days, but God was with us. Tough days when God was with us when uh, our second child came along and Crystal was pregnant with Jacob. And we went, I remember, to the uh, doctor and they're having just a regular ultrasound and the ultrasound tech, she has this concerned look on her face, goes and calls for the doctor. The doctor comes in and there's talking and we're not understanding what's going on. And then uh, the doctor says, well, there's a problem with the heartbeat. We really don't understand understand what's going on. We're going to send you to this where you can get a more intense ultrasound. And so so you're just devastated in that moment, but God was with us. And I remember that in between that appointment and the next appointment, and we asked the church to pray, and they gathered around us, and they laid hands on us, and they prayed for us. And I remember going into that uh, doctor's appointment hand-in-hand with Crystal, and they did the ultrasound, and, and I remember the doctors in this uh, the ultrasound with this super intense color ultrasound thing, and they're just like talking like, I don't understand why they sent you to us, because everything's normal. God was with us. And God was with us when I was at a very dark time, and I was a youth pastor, and I had this crazy group of youth, and they didn't listen, and they were, it was just a horrible experience. And I remember I was at the end of my rope, and I said, God, you've got to help me. Is this what you want me to do with the rest of my life? Heaven help me. 
And I remember saying, God, will you please just speak to me? Will you please just remind me? Uh, would, you, would you help me? And I opened the scripture to the first, some of the first chapters of Ezekiel. And I remember going, my eyes falling on the page. And I read this passage. And the words were like God had given them exactly for my situation. And it was like God's word just came alive. It's like God was speaking through his scripture to me in that moment. And it was exactly what I needed to hear. And I remember the emotion of that time because I just knew that in the midst of the struggle that God was with me. And so not to bore you with a story that I've told you parts of over and over last year, but this past year, God was so with us as our youngest son struggled with cancer and his journey. And he was with us at an airport when we found out and he was with us with a 12-hour trip to get to Oklahoma so that we could be with him. And he was with us at the doctor. And he was with us in surgeries. And he was with us in, in follow-up appointments. He was with us. And I know as I look back on my life, as I invited Christ in as a teenager all along the way, different junctures, I can look back and I can see where God was with me. Amen. And I would just encourage you to let him be with you. If you invite him in and let him be your Emmanuel, and there's one final encouragement, that God will be with you, that he is with you, that he has been with you, and that he will be with you. As you open your life to him, as you invite him in to come in, that he will be with you, that, that there is a future aspect of Emmanuel, God with us, that he not just has been, not just is, but will be and continue to be into the future, into eternity. And that's, I hope, encouraging to you to think about today, that God is with us and will be with us. Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, Hebrews 13, uh, Deuteronomy 31, Hebrews 13, tell us that God will never leave us nor forsake us. I love the way Joshua 1, 5 in the Old Testament relates the same truth, which says, no man should be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you, I will not forsake you. It's a theme through Scripture. Jesus said it himself in Matthew chapter 28 when he said, Behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And of course, that great passage I love where Jesus is talking to his disciples and by extension talking to us. And he tells them, I'm going to prepare a place for you in John 14, but I will come back to be with you, to take you to be with me. And he's talking about eternity. He's talking about the heaven that he's prepared for us. So Jesus is Emmanuel. It's God with us. His own words telling us, I will be with you to the very end of this age. And I love what the Apostle Paul reiterating that theme to the Christians who were experiencing persecution in, those first century, in that first century in Rome when he encourages them with his words in Romans chapter 8, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And skipping out of verse 37, no, the answer to that, no, none of that will. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure, Paul wrote to those Christians who are being persecuted, I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor present things nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation 
will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because God is with us. He has been with us. He will be with us. He is with us. And we see in Scripture that promise over and over and over. And he has a track record of being with us. Nothing can separate us. Nothing in the future can. No doubts or mistakes or disappointments or failures. As we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't have to fear any evil because he walks with us. O come, O come, Emmanuel. It's the invitation. Jesus came God with us. He's been with us, is with us, will be with us. It's a great promise as we understand as we are moving toward Christmas. And so my question for us today as we conclude is, are we living with that reality? Have we invited Christ to be with us? Listen to what Jesus says in Revelation chapter 3 verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. That's Jesus speaking to us. Jesus, if we stand at the door, if we stand there, and if we, if, we, if, if, if we open our lives, if we open and we invite him to come, to come, like Revelation 3.20 says, that he will come in. And so my question is, will you open the door? Will you invite him to come? Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Uh, we would love to help you on that journey. And to help you, we've got some resources we'd love to send you. If you are inviting or, or would like to invite Christ to be your Savior, invite Christ to come in, uh, we'd love to give those resources to you. You can text the word Jesus to 269-231-8692. Again, 231-8692. We'd love to provide you with some of those resources. As we conclude today, we're going to take communion. Communion is an opportunity for us to remember what Jesus has done for us. Hopefully, as you came in, you got one of these. If you're here in the room, if you're online, I encourage you to find something that you could take communion with. Uh, we've got some people that will walk around. You can just make eye contact with them as they walk around. Um, these elements remind us of what Jesus did. That he came. And on the cross, he was nailed to that cross. His body nailed on that cross for us. The bread at the top represents the body of Christ. The juice that is under the bread represents the blood of Christ that was shed for us. The scripture tells us without the shedding of blood, there is no remission, there is no forgiveness of sin. And so this represents what Jesus did for us. O come, O come. And so as we sing this next song, I would just say to you, invite him to come in. To ask him, O come, O come, Emmanuel, will you be with me? If there's sin that you need to confess, if there's something you need to get right with him, then do that. And then let's celebrate together that Jesus has been with us, is with us, and will always be with us as we invite him in. Let me pray for us, bless these elements, and then we'll worship together. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for your word that is always true, that is always so helpful, that is always so practical. God, thank you for this title, this simple title, Emmanuel. And all that is wrapped up in it, that we've just scratched the surface of understanding, God, of what it means for Jesus, God, with us, has been with us, is with us, and will be with us. And so, Father God, I pray for that person, maybe for the first time, that is inviting Christ in, that is saying to you today, O come, O come, Emmanuel. 
that's confessing their sins, that's acknowledging that they can't do it on their own, and that today, accepting the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross to pay for their sin. And God, now, as we think about these elements that represents the, that represent the body and the blood of Jesus, I pray that this would be a rich, rich, deeply moving experience as we celebrate Jesus, as we celebrate the fact that your Son, our Savior, is with us. Not some far-off deity, but God, you, your Son, you are with us today. Thank you, Father. Bless these elements, and we pray in Jesus' name.